Zeus. It's the most threatening malware the industry has ever faced, and it's getting more sophisticated. Two recent Zeus-related arrests prove this malware is far-reaching. Recent arrests of a hacking ring in London and global money mules who have been charged with draining U.S. bank accounts is likely just the beginning. Now Zeus is branching out from the online channel and is hitting mobile devices. So what can the industry and law enforcement expect the future to hold? Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. I'm here today with Dave Jevons, chairman and founder of the Anti-Phishing Working Group, a nonprofit organization dedicated to wiping out identity theft and fraud on the Internet. Dave, could you please tell our audience a bit about your professional background, as well as a bit about the Anti-Phishing Working Group? I'd be happy to, Tracy. My background, uh, well, I started my career at Apple Computer about 20 years ago, and uh, about uh, 15 years ago moved into the emerging Internet security industry. I started uh, two Internet security companies. One of them uh, went through some mergers and acquisitions and uh, through an IPO. We ended up being acquired by Tumbleweed Communications, so we provided secure email and uh, secure Internet communications for most of the large financial institutions around the world and a lot of the Fortune 1000. And I am currently uh, CEO and founder of Iron Key, and we provide secure USB flash drives as well as secure authentication devices to protect against Zeus and other malware. In uh, 2003, I started and became the chairman of the Anti-Phishing Working Group, and that is a nonprofit organization. We now have about 1,500 member companies and government agencies, and it's really composed of financial services companies, you know, banks, payments companies, also the security industry, so most of the major uh, computer security companies are active members in the APWG. And then we work very closely with government agencies and law enforcement to help really figure out what the bad guys are doing. We share information. We run conferences all around the world where people can get together in a closed, very trusted environment and discuss what are the latest threats and how are people best mitigating them. Now, Dave, Zeus is quickly becoming one of the most frightening threats, really, that the United States has ever faced. Beyond the financial industry, the sophistication of Zeus poses real threats to all companies and government bodies and brings national security into view. What is it about Zeus that makes it stand out? Zeus is one of a family of, of new Trojans that uh, I guess it's really been around for a number of years, four or five years in emerging forms. But what's happened in the last couple of years is that the criminals have figured out that it's a lot easier to steal $500,000 from one company than it is to steal $500 from a 1,000 consumers. And what's happened is it's focused a lot of the research and development in the criminal underground on developing this family of malicious software. Now, they've taken an interesting turn with Zeus, which is the people writing the software have really turned it into a software business. They're not the ones doing the fraud. So they sell this software to a variety of different groups of cyber criminals. So they've created this real underground economy, and it's thriving because there's a lot of money being made. So what we're seeing here, what's different, is the advances in the malware are just tremendous. It's moving at a very rapid pace, and they're targeting a lot of different financial institutions all around the world, all of who have different security systems, so more and more capabilities are being added to it over time. Another really interesting thing about the Zeus malware is that it's got a plug-in architecture, meaning there are people around the world writing add-ons, modules into it that can make it more and more sophisticated to attack more and more systems. It's not just one group of people writing the code. 
So it, it's probably the fastest moving, most sophisticated piece of criminal malicious software the world's ever seen. There's many groups working on it to distributed effort, and it, the ingenuity of it is, is astounding. Now, what I think is also pretty scary about it, in addition to how quickly it's moving and, and the innovation that we're seeing um, in, in this malicious software, is that it's not really just bank-specific. And it can be used, for example, to gain access into corporate VPNs and sensitive government networks um, by getting onto a user's computer and waiting till they log into that VPN. Two arrests have recently been made. One was in London, and the other was of money mules scattered throughout the world. Are these two incidents related, and do you expect those arrests to curb or change the flow of fraud that's happening here in the U.S.? Well, there were a, a coordinated set of arrests in the U.K. earlier this week, and uh, within 24 hours, there were about a, a coordinated set of 60 arrests in the United States. There's no coincidence that, that those happened in a very coordinated fashion. Um, law enforcement uh, agencies around the world uh, definitely cooperating because this is a global fraud environment. It's people all around the world collaborating to do these crimes. Now, will it change uh, things for the bad guys? Yeah, I think you know taking some of these money mules um, out of the system uh, will make an impact to their immediate cash flow. Um, you know these money mules are people, bad guys basically send money out of a, a pilfered account and then they move it on and out of the country, and that basically makes it very difficult to detect who the actual real fraudsters are. If you are involved in these crime gangs, that you can be caught and you will go to jail. But at the end of the day. There are thousands and thousands of these people doing this money mule activity. In fact, there may be between 10 and 20,000 at any one time. So arresting 60 or 70 of them, while an important step forward, is certainly not going to materially impact the cyber criminals. What do the arrests tell us about the courses of action the U.S. government and law enforcement agencies throughout the world are taking to fight these types of crimes? Certainly, the U.S. government and other, other government agencies are taking online crime far more seriously. I think the financial fraud that we're seeing, uh, certainly in the United States, where they're targeting small and medium-sized companies and moving hundreds of thousands or, in some cases, millions of dollars at a time, definitely, I think, wakes people up that this is a lot bigger than some consumers having $500 stolen out of their PayPal account. So I think there's a, there's a big awakening there. I think the other thing that's happening at the same time is the Stuxnet attacks against critical infrastructure, against SCADA control systems and nuclear reactors. I think people are really starting to realize that the world is cyber, it's all interconnected, and it's moving very, very quickly in a bad direction. So there's interesting um, movement in the law enforcement area. Now, it's critical that financial institutions cooperate with law enforcement. So what's happening here is financial institutions are providing the data for these, for example, money mule accounts. They know where the money is initially being transferred, and they're providing that information primarily to the Secret Service, and then they're the ones coordinating the investigations and the arrests and working with their counterparts in other countries to coordinate it. Now, as you pointed out, the fight is an international one. How can law enforcement and federal prosecutors track and charge money mules, as in the case that we've talked about earlier, when they're often scattered throughout the world? Well, this is really the challenge of the current age, which is crime is happening on the Internet, and it happens at the speed of light. 
and often typical investigative procedures and typical cross-border uh, legal agreements really don't account for the, the, the nature of the Internet where people can set up a server, take some passwords, and then tear the server down within minutes. And uh, oftentimes, you know, getting subpoenas across countries can take 30 days. So we've definitely got a challenge ahead of us as a world to really change the way law enforcement communicates with each other. That said, uh, I, I think the law enforcement agencies in the United States, in Australia, in the United Kingdom, have been working together very, very closely to try to build those relationships where they can move more quickly We've also seen some good relationships built throughout Eastern Europe where you know you can get law enforcement in Romania, for example, to coordinate arrests uh, at the same time as arrests might be made of members of the same gang in the U.S. and in the U.K. So cooperation is definitely growing, but we've got a long way to go. And as you pointed out earlier, the financial industry also plays a role here in helping law enforcement by communicating. That's right. It's, it has to be a two-way street where the financial institutions and, frankly, large corporations who are experiencing similar kinds of attacks need to be able to communicate with Secret Service and with the FBI and share relevant information. In fact, this is also where the security industry comes in. The security industry you know, will work with multiple financial institutions and will have much more data than a single bank might have about an attack. They will be able to see the same account being, for example, used to move money from eight or ten different banks. And that helps build a case that law enforcement can now say, hey, if we actually take action here, it's going to result in a significant case, and that means they can actually invest the time to do the, do the investigation. Can you explain some of the differences or nuances in the software, and when it comes to tracking some of those things, is it difficult to, to tie things together? Zeus is really a, you know, an evolving entity. There's sort of a core strain of, of the malware. It, it's, it's evolving quickly. There are new releases uh, available for purchase on the Internet almost weekly. And then, as I mentioned, there are different companies or, or, or bad guys, I guess, out there creating plugins or adjacent tools that work with that malicious software um, to enhance its capabilities to target different bank security systems, um, to get onto the mobile phone, to manage money mule networks of all these people and who they're sending money to and who's sending money back. So there, there is this flourishing environment there. It's so different and so varied that, uh, that it's hard to track. The other thing to keep in mind is, again, it's not one gang. So there are many, many Zeus networks out there. So there's Zeus the software and there are these Zeus botnets where somebody's got a whole group of infected computers and they're controlling them remotely. Now there's some tracking of that been going on and some of the security companies have been doing a great job at finding out the control servers and taking those off the internet. However, the true criminals, we can't really track their servers. They, they're very good at hiding that stuff. So we don't even really know how many of them are out there and how many millions of computers are already infected. Zeus is often referred to as a keylogger, meaning it infects a PC and then tracks keystrokes, making it ideal to track bank account information. But the evolution of Zeus has taken some turns, with Zeus now targeting more than mere banking credentials. What other areas is Zeus targeting, and where do you see it going next? Oh, well, the more sophisticated Zeus thinks the keylogging is really the most simple component of it. So, you know, everything you type into your website, your name, your password, that type of stuff, it tracks all that and sends that to a, a criminal in another country. 
But now, for example, if you're using one-time password tokens, those little devices that, that sometimes a bank or a company will give you that generate a, a little six-digit number, so you have to enter your name, your password, and whatever that device says, they can capture that information and relay it. They also have remote view capability, so a very popular plug-in for Zeus in the criminal underground is one that allows them to see actually on your screen what you're doing when you log into a website that they want to break into. So, for example, they might set it up so that if you're logging into your bank or even your corporate VPN, it sends a message out to the, to the criminal. They can then turn on remote viewing and see what, what you're doing, how much money you have in your account or what kind of systems you might have access to if you're logging into a VPN. They can control remotely your keyboard and, uh, and mouse. So if you, for example, go out to lunch and you're left logged in, they can actually go and log in and control things as if they were you. Um, they can generate transactions. The, the, the list goes on and on about the, the amazing capabilities of, uh, that this thing is evolving. A few incidents of Zeus attacks on mobile devices have been discovered. How is the industry combating these attacks? Well, this is a, a very new and emerging area of mobile malware. It's really uh, a very scary new evolution. I think we're going to see a lot, lot more of it. Companies in the security industry are only just beginning to create products that have any sort of real security capabilities on many of the mobile phone platforms. As you know, platforms like Android and thing are very open, and you can install hundreds of thousands of different applications, and there's, there's no central authority to check whether they're legitimate or not. And so what we've seen now is uh, if a bank, for example, sends you an SMS message to your phone, which you use to help authenticate to the online service, there's this malware now where, where they'll actually send you a message saying, click here to send this uh, bank security certificate to your phone. And it's not a certificate. It's really an app that's being installed, and then it's redirecting all your SMS to the criminals. So that's a very, very interesting targeted piece of malicious software that's tied into the Zeus system, probably developed by some other person, not the core Zeus people. So I think security on mobile phones is just, it's in its infancy. The bad guys are figuring out that, hey, there's some real opportunity on the phone. I think the other thing you have to worry about is that uh, in some of the major banks, up to 30% of their online users use mobile phones to access the online banking systems. So it's pretty clear what we're going to see is probably a wave of innovation by the criminals to create more and more malicious software or fake software or some form of phone phishing scams that will um, be targeted against users of mobile devices. And in closing, Dave, I wanted just to ask, could you give us some insight regarding the direction you see the industry and consumer groups taking as we move forward, whether it be combating some of these challenges that we're seeing on the mobile devices or whether it just be combating some of these malware attacks overall? Well, the security industry is definitely taking the evolution of Zeus and related malware very seriously. We're seeing a new wave of technology and companies that are, are emerging to help companies detect and defend against it. There's really two areas of innovation in the security industry. One is on the back-end systems, so on the web servers themselves, to detect anomalous behavior or in the transaction systems to detect anomalous transactions. And there's also innovation at the trusted endpoint, basically software and hardware authentication products and virtualization products that will 
create more of a trusted environment on a person's computer to isolate them even if they are infected with malicious software like Zeus. So those are the two areas of innovation we're seeing in the industry. As far as consumer groups and, on, and sort of industry affiliations go, uh, the Anti-Phishing Working Group and others uh, are really starting to help people collaborate around these issues, share information. In fact, on October 6th, uh, there is a, a consumer messaging consortium that has been led by the NCSA and by the APWG. And it's basically a number of very large companies that have online presences, folks like Google and uh, Walmart and a number of banks getting together to help create common themes and common security messages that can be communicated to consumers about how to protect themselves online, about keeping up their antivirus, their anti-malware, about safe online banking practices. So I think it's a great thing that industries are starting to come together to talk about how we communicate a clear, simple security message to the consumer. Thank you so much for your time today, Dave. It's been a pleasure. Again, we've just heard from Dave Jebbins, founder of the Anti-Phishing Working Group. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.